Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, the days of handhelds have come and gone thanks to the success of the Nintendo Switch and its hybrid console approach, as well as the deluge of smartphones that grace nearly everyone's pockets. With handhelds now a thing of the past, and we can all be sure that the present console shortage isn't helping in any way, developers and publishers alike are looking for more ways to get their games into people's hands. In comes the internet to save the day once again. Kinda. Game and non-game companies alike are bringing their own solution to the market, letting you play AAA titles on your phone or mobile device while offloading the entire process to a server in a far-off data center for a monthly fee. How has the industry handled the change so far? What do these fees really stack up to get you? And is there enough bandwidth to go around? Let's talk about that today with paid memberships and game streaming. My name is Travis Sherman, and of course, as always, I'm joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, hello. What's up? Well, what's up is uh, we're on a free trial right now of being able to do this uh, this Discord streaming here, and we only have about an hour or so to do this before everything goes. Otherwise, I'm going to need to borrow your credit card to renew that subscription. <laughs> right. You'd be able to pay for that premium 1080p 60 FPS streaming, you know, instead of the 720p 30 with nitro. So for the you know, or nitro, with, without nitro, yeah. yeah, exactly. So anyway, no, just I always try to come up with those different ways to tie in that to just some funny little intro part there. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, Kyle, we're here to talk about paid memberships and game streaming because, as we found, it really all goes hand in hand, except maybe for one service. But we can get into that potentially uh, later on down the line, of course. But you proposed this idea, actually, though, uh, given some new information, some new insights that actually has dropped in the news in the last couple of days. So what's going on? So, of course, um, if anyone hasn't been tied into what's going on, um, recently PlayStation is uh, converting their, their memberships over slowly. Um, I believe their conversion date... Um, I... I don't have the window up right now, but their conversion date for the U.S. begins in uh, June, but in parts of Asia has already started, but we've had hiccups where people with stacked memberships have been getting charged upwards of $700 for you know the stacked memberships and the difference in, in price because uh, there was going to be, if you had the, uh, what was it, PlayStation Now service subscription, um, in addition to the PlayStation Plus, you just or the PlayStation Now just stacked as uh, the top tier uh, PlayStation Plus, uh, but it was much less expensive to pick up that way than it would be to pick it up when it launches in June. Um, however, like twenty four hours, forty eight hours later, uh, Sony reversed that, um, and they're they're trying to come to some sort of ends on on how to resolve it without you know having to charge people and now we've got uh windows launching a whole new uh potentially system with a streaming stick or streaming puck um which is totally insane um reducing the 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 need for a console if you didn't have access to with your cell phone and you know good internet on the go now you have the ability to access games on the go at home that aren't just you know through google stadia or luna potentially some 
you know, higher grade AAA titles. Hmm. Well, it's interesting, especially that you mentioned um, what Microsoft is doing. And I, I keep my fingers crossed that they're not going to be doing anything like they did when uh, they made their own phones. Because if you remember, Microsoft tried to make something of their own, you know, to try to appeal to really our generation, the Microsoft Kin, you know, yeah. and they, they tried to make that. It was okay, but obviously it had its its myriad of issues. Um, you know, so Microsoft has at least over the last decade or so really been working to put out some pretty good product. And here's to hoping maybe they can do something like that, but they haven't really done anything like this before. Now, even with that product itself, though, um, Microsoft still does have um, a logical product, not a physical one, like what they're doing with this new streaming device, but they have their logical product as well with what's bundled into Game Pass as well, right? Yeah, um, of course, uh, they have the Xbox streaming service, um, which, uh, or is it xCloud now? Um, so it was originally called Project xCloud when they put it into beta, right. and it's still technically in beta right now, but that's how a lot of people still refer to it as xCloud, but I think it's just Xbox game streaming is all it's called. I, that's what I, I think, yeah, is now it, it's actually just called Xbox game streaming, but it's accessible by you know any modern smartphone or tablet um i believe running the what version of android is the 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 oldest one you can run um shoot. i think it's like android 9 8 or 9 yeah. is i think about the oldest that they go back to now still but that still i mean that that's kind of old compared to you know most standards i mean you know you think about how we're we're phasing out um 3G completely um a lot of those phones don't really exist anymore and not only that if if you do have that phone w what are you using it for anyway besides just making phone calls and text messages well that's also true yeah is that we've definitely evolved on the hardware front when it comes to our mobile devices anyway. So but I, I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know exactly what to say on that one, but that that's aside uh, the point. You, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is that it, you're saying really is that the they, they actual have... ability to use it is farther back. Like you could download it on an Android device and use it way back on like OS versions that really right. aren't being used as much out there now. And you can do it on, uh, of course, Android tablets. And now we have it available on PC as well through the just Microsoft Edge browser. Yeah. And you also have it too. Um, it's funny who we talk about this because um, I was playing a game with my daughter through Game Pass. And it was one that we didn't have to install. We were able to use streaming right on the Series X. So it is making its way out there because the original offering for it was on uh, just Android devices for just right. the, that beta alpha test that they had originally. And then they finally branched out all of the the issues and confrontation they had with Apple to be able to release it on iOS devices. You know, they found their loophole with it. But, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Microsoft is finding its way to become completely ubiqu ubiquitous across all devices, not only, you know, with the streaming stick, but they've also, they, they've talked about trying to be potentially baked into some TVs, um, just like, you know, you would have on regular smart TVs where you would, 
you would get your your streaming services just instantaneously on there um or on on dvd players for that matter all you would have to do is connect an xbox controller but now um we have the xbox keystone um is what what it's possibly being are going to be called um that that's the streaming puck allowing anyone to plug in um to a tv that has an hdmi cable and a decent wi-fi signal and receive streaming games to the said tv yeah and see that's that's a great way to begin like kind of hopefully branching into it um i know we we've we kind of started off this episode here talking about some of the things where they're at now and some of the things coming up um, you know, and I we'll get back into talking about Keystone here later because the mm-hmm. where it came up in the news is that we knew they were working on something, but it's kind of been put back onto the drawing table to figure out how better to approach it. Um, but let's rewind a little bit, especially with the the paid memberships and the game streaming part, because as we grew up, there really wasn't a service for game streaming, but when it came to paid memberships, we did have a way to get access to games at least in a in like an affordable sense without having to go and buy each brand new game at you know 40 to 60 dollars a pop and that would be gamefly well even before gamefly i mean looking back to the the 90s um there w- there was uh sega tv you know Oh yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, we rewind a little bit more with the potential for things. You had Sega TV, you had the the prospect of what was supposed to be the Nintendo 64 DD, the uh right. disk drive. Uh, I believe was Sega TV specifically for the Dreamcast or was that going back even older? Uh that that was actually for the Sega Genesis. Okay. And that was something that was through your your cable provider. So you you had to pick up a a separate box that you know, you you plugged into the cartridge slot, if I recall. Um, and I, I don't recall if you plugged in cartridges on top of it or not. But it was actually plugged into uh, your your coax like cable TV would be. And you received the programming that way. Okay. Okay, that's right. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that, especially then, or at least attempts to do it. Um, but even outside of the game streaming, though, for us to be able to get access to at least cheap titles, you know, without having to pay an arm and a leg... And granted, we were kind of in this weird shift in the industry with places like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video starting to go under because Netflix had really cut mm-hmm. into their bottom line. And that's where we started to see like the introduction of things like Gamefly, where you could go rent a game, hold on to it for as long as you want. You pay the subscription, but that's a game you can get access to for, you know, pennies on the dollar instead of paying for a full game. You can get the experience that you want and move on to the next one. Right. So, and and some of that is still around. I think Kotaku recently oh, no, did an article on it too. Definitely still around. Yeah, they Kotaku did an article on it recently where they were just like, "Oh, I'll just go see what it is." And there were only like five games, maybe per system, that they had on there, and it only went as far as like the Xbox One, I think. And it wasn't even like recent Xbox One titles either. It was definitely some more like launch-ish titles as well. Huh. So, yeah, weird, right? But yeah. I mean, hey, you know, I mean, that's one way of preserving video games, right? Uh, even so, looking kind of where do we got where we got to now with the streaming stuff, or at least with our our streaming options, 
we saw a lot of effort to do stuff like this, but really a lot of the emphasis was in the home streaming. And the product that comes to mind is the Steam Link. Did you yeah. ever have one? I didn't have one. I wanted one really, really bad. Um, but the, the whole idea of it was really cool. Just being able to uh, even stream g- games from a PC to another room in the house. Yeah, and that was the reason why like, I got one for myself. One of those like clearance blowout sales that Valve was doing to just get rid of them because they were done supporting it. I still have right. mine around here somewhere. But that was that was the exact point of it, was that I would have it set up in another room so I'd be able to either hook up a keyboard and mouse to it or use the Steam controller that I have and be able to play games right off my PC, which really what it did is it just mirrored your PC screen, put it into Steam's uh, brand new big picture mode and let you navigate around to play most of your titles uh, mm-hmm. over your network. But it was all limited to being in the house. You weren't able to actually take that out with you. And it's still that way to this day with the existing Steam Link system, which is an app on your phone. And I've tried it. It works okay. It's it's not really anything to, uh, to, to rant and rave about, but it is at least an option there for the house if you, like me, have a gaming PC in the basement, but maybe you want to play it on your bigger TV upstairs, you know, and sit back right. on the couch. So well, and you there's know, some of that. Play, PlayStation did uh, attempt some of that with the uh, Vita and the uh, PS4. Um, it didn't work necessarily the greatest, but you were actually okay. able to stream games uh, to you to your Vita and and play your PlayStation 4 games. Like I said, you you wouldn't be playing anything really fast, so no like Street Fighter or anything. But if you were playing a little bit slower game, it it, it worked just fine. Yeah, playing anything that really, really thrives on super low latency, you need, yeah, you need to be directly connected to it. And that even brings up one of the things about the Steam Link, for example, that I ran into an issue with is that I would have it connected to wireless, but with the number of things running in my house that are wirelessly connected to the network, it would just be a slog to try to play stuff. Some things would come out okay, but I couldn't play anything that was really like dynamic so i couldn't play anything like grand theft auto online i couldn't play uh i couldn't play like modern warfare or anything uh Mm -hmm. through my pc up to it there just wasn't a way to really do that in a nice neat fashion that didn't that didn't detract from the actual game itself from the actual Mm -hmm. experience so that's kind of why it's been put away for now because i haven't found a a new use for the Steam Link yet. But you are right. Sony did do something at least with that as it relates to the Vita. And I don't think I didn't think it was PlayStation 4. I thought it was the PlayStation 3. Um I I think it works with both. I know I've used it with hmm. um, my PS4. I don't I don't know that I've ever used it with my PS3 though. I thought it was late so, generation PS3, know. like like when they did the the slim PlayStation 3. Um, but I could very well be wrong. You could very well be right as well. I mean, you worked at you worked at GameStop at that time when that when that compatibility existed, and the Vita was still being sold, and the 
uh, PlayStation 3 and 4 were both being sold at that time, too. So, well, and, and the reason I you. say specifically fighting games is I, I, I know that when I got a copy, because it was one of the things that they gave out to to management at the time, uh, so I got a free copy of Street Fighter Five. I want to say, um, and uh, tried to play it on the Vita, and it was just unplayable. Uh, to yeah, stream. that doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, no, but th- there were other games, like I said, that that worked just fine. Um, I mean, granted, they were a lot of like more indie titles, but um, and I I would have to look back at you know the games that I have to to actually see if there there were any that I recall that worked decent. But um, but here's a question though for you, yeah. Kyle. Even outside of those titles, though, you know, outside of like you know Street Fighter. Um, and anything else that you could potentially stream from your console to your like Vita, for example, did you have to pay a subscription fee to Sony to Not do that for those? Okay. And that was because they all existed in your house, right? Right. Exactly. And the same with the steam link. We didn't have to pay any subscription there either to push the content from our computer to the steam link device to play wherever we were at here in the house. Right. But I mean if you're if you're looking on subscription side, you kinda have to look back at to game to the game side. Um that's where it kinda started for those. I mean if you if you look outside of services, um with like EverQuest or uh moving up to Warcraft. But then oh, yeah. all of a sudden we saw this weird culmination of you were paying to play online for video games with the early adoption of uh, Xbox Live on the original Xbox. Yeah, that's that's actually a good one to talk about because that was outside of the paid memberships that you had for World of Warcraft, for Final Fantasy XI, for uh, EverQuest, as you said. Yes, exactly. Is that that Microsoft really kind of got the ball rolling by saying, "Hey, you want to be able to play online? You're going to have to pay us to be able to do it." And then, of course, that money being rolled into the services part of their system to host the video chat servers, uh, or not video chat, but voice chat, host uh, the actual lobbies, host everything that needed to actually be done within those environments. So, yeah, you're right, is that, you know, we did kind of jump into that as being something to uh, something to actually access a better part of the service because there wasn't any sort of free tier either. Like, th- there wasn't an idea of, like, being able to play games for free online unless you say owned a uh, PC and would play things of that sort. Cause you didn't have to necessarily subscribe to anything. Say like if you owned like battlefield 1942 for PC, you could go mm-hmm. and connect to whatever servers you wanted. You didn't have to pay to connect to those servers though. Right. And, and prior to that, I think, you know, we had seen uh fantasy star online on the dream. That's a good one. Maybe- yeah you know, a handful of other games that, that were online on console that actually required, um, or, or Final Fantasy would, I think was another one at that time that actually required an online membership to access, you know, their, their services, Mm -hmm. um, outside of just being able to connect the console online. But then Xbox changed the game and said, no, you get, you got to pay us to be able to just play your games. Yeah, and that was definitely an interesting one for people to really start to adopt because there wasn't really anything else like that that existed in the console space mm-hmm. 
with the games that were coming out. And Sony had their early version of PlayStation Network anyway with the PlayStation 2 and all that was bundled in. But that didn't really offer the same level of value that Xbox Live had. And they really kind of set the standard for a lot of it. But Sony kind of came around and said, you know what? You can play games on the internet, no problem with our service at no charge to you. You're able to go ahead and use it, no problem. And then they decided to roll out PlayStation Plus back in the uh, PlayStation 3 days, you know, back around the, I think it was around maybe mid PlayStation 3 release cycle, definitely before the PlayStation 4 came out. But during PlayStation 3, they still did not require you to have PlayStation Plus to play online, if I if I remember correctly. Correct. Um, the only thing the PlayStation Plus membership did was it afforded you discounts on games and free games monthly, as well as some extra benefits. Yep, that's exactly right. So you now saw this other paid tier, but it didn't interrupt the core experience, which was definitely a problem, as we saw for the paid membership part when it came to Xbox Live, because now every single thing you had to do on your Xbox, you were required to pay for that tier to be able to get to anything whatsoever. But obviously, Microsoft saw the inclusion of uh, games with gold as being a big thing. So you can get free games every month. That's still something going on to this day. Um, Access to... uh, I'm trying to remember. There was some other stuff there that actually happened as well. But I think some of it might have been limited, though, anyway. Well, even early on, up mm-hmm. until I, I think it was just uh, only about four or five years ago, uh, you actually had to pay for your uh, Xbox Gold membership to even access like Netflix and Hulu and oh, you know, that's other right. memberships. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you or, I, or the free that's games right. for that matter. Yeah, that's that was a big part of it, especially. Uh, yeah, yeah, I completely games, forgot about that. The, the games that were uh, free to play only just, I want to say, in the last like six to eight months uh, became able to be played free without Xbox uh, Gold or a- Xbox Game Pass on an Xbox. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of that really kind of stemmed from the popularity of those free to play like Battle Royales, for example, Warzone. PUBG, mm-hmm. Apex Legends, Fortnite. All of that really kind of led to do like led towards a lot of that structure change especially on the Xbox side. Really, but really it is on the Xbox side to say you shouldn't be paying to play something for free online that I could do somewhere else because they knew they would probably lose market share that way too. Uh in the interest of course though of looking at our paid memberships though now anyway, uh what's interesting is that Microsoft, you know, we, we've really evolved into this point now where Microsoft subscription has become the all-in-one. That fifteen dollars mm-hmm. a month gets you Game Pass Ultimate, which is games for Windows, games for Xbox, uh, your Xbox Live, and also game streaming included in it. They have right. lesser tiers depending on what you have in your environment. Whether you have the Xbox, you could just do a uh, regular Game Pass for Xbox that gets you the the games, Xbox Live that there. Or you could do uh, Game Pass for Windows, which then gets you um, Game Pass games on your PC that you can download and play there. Uh, But none of those individual tiers, and this rolls back into what our topic is about, none of those tiers include game streaming in them at all. You have to have that $15 a month tier to be able to get the game streaming functionality. Right. 
So now I think that's where we're probably at a good point to kind of start. Like, I mean, we reviewed the history. We talked, we kind of introduced things here talking about where some stuff is at now. We kind of talked about uh, the history of things too, especially I completely forgot about Sega TV. So I'm glad that, but you're, you're a a big (laughs) Sega fanboy, So I'm not surprised that you like, you know, remember all of that. And of course, leading up to the early days of Xbox PlayStation to looking at what we've evolved to at this point now, uh, I guess where I want to start off with this part of the discussion, and we could do a little bit of this, then we'll hop into a break, is the way these streaming bundles for the two big companies here, and I'm looking specifically at Microsoft and Sony, the way Mm -hmm. these streaming bundles are set up right now, do the actual costs truly provide everything that a player needs to be able to do everything they need to do, or is it just too much being promised at one time with hopes that, okay, we get enough people to pay for it. Now we'll deliver way more down the line. We just need more people to be coming in and starting to use it. What do you think on those? Well, I, I think on, on the Xbox front, um, they've, they've done a good show uh, of saying, you know, we're, we're going to provide for you and, and, you know, make things available to make it worth it. But on the Sony side, seeing as, you know, stuff is only starting to roll out and new data occurs every day that that changes the game. Like, within 48 hours, we had that that rollout that they weren't going to be charging uh, people the extra amount for the, the tiered memberships. Yep. Um, so on and so forth. If you if you had stacked and so you know, um, it it just it. I I don't know on on Sony's side, um, especially with the release of the new information that the PlayStation One games. Yeah, you'll be able to. I I believe they'll be able to be downloaded, potentially streamed. However, um. They're all going to be the the PAL versions that are running at 50 hertz. Yeah, they'll be upscaled, um, so smoothed out out a little bit, but still only running at 50 hertz rather than the 60 hertz NTSC version, which would technically be the version that anyone would want to play. So, yeah, and that the design choices for going that way are very interesting, but I wonder if it just depends on where they could get a hold of the game at better than, you know, uh, trying to fight, like maybe some sort of weird licensing rights or something with NTSC versions versus PAL. What source code was available more easily, I guess. Yeah. Just like, just like when uh, mass effect legendary edition was being redone and there was DLC that they could not, bundle in because the code was so damaged or broken or most of it was just missing that they couldn't incorporate some of that stuff that very well could be the same logic into this too but you are right that like sony is trying to adapt to the market as it is now because game pass has actually disrupted a lot of things and i know we come across as fanboys on here of microsoft especially with a lot that we talk about and a lot that we play but I mean, we have nothing but respect for Sony anyway because they do put out some great titles and their hardware has been pretty top-notch for the last few generations especially. But one of the issues, though, is that it feels like their tier structure 
just doesn't seem to really fit into a a good proper understanding of like what you're actually going to be getting out of it. It feels muddled. It feels like it's it, it feels like there's just things missing. It feels like maybe some of the value that could be there or was hoped for by all the people who were expecting this announcement anyway. Uh, has kind of been lost, especially because people were expecting a true Game Pass competitor from Sony, where first, like, day one titles dropped right there on the PlayStation Mm -hmm. at the same time. So you'd be able to play, like, God of War Ragnarok when that comes out right then and there. But they're not doing that. Well, and I I think as the rollout has occurred across of... um parts of asia um and it hasn't quite hit japan yet and soon we'll hit the u.s and amir i i want to say we're at less than two weeks uh from recording um you know the 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 message becomes more and more muddled and it changes every day so the the questions begin to throw up flags of of what's going on and what what's going to occur you know, with, with the with the network, how how games will be sustained on there, um, and and you know what changes will happen with the network. I mean, we we're already seeing some good ones, of course, seeing negative ones with the whole. Uh, I, I I guess I wouldn't say necessarily lesser version because it's the same game, it just not running at as high a performance version. True. Um, but on the other hand, we are getting trophies out of a lot of games. It may be optional to the uh, publisher if they want to actually put them in, but uh, Siphon Filter has already confirmed trophies. Um, and if, you know, we, we see trophies for, for games like Mega Man Legends and Mega Man Legends 2, all the more power to them because I, those are some of my favorite PlayStation games. Yeah, and uh, you make a good point there, too, is that some of these things, like, it's not even just trophies, I think, is that there's a lot that's going to be driven by what the publishers are going to want to do as well, because not mm-hmm. every game that's going into this service is going to be available, uh, you know, or it's not going to be available in, in the same fashion as it was, because either the publisher could only do so much, or you're not going to see a lot of these games from Days of Yore, because the publisher doesn't exist anymore the licensing rights for the game the actual ownership of the game series title what have you is in someone else's hands and they're like well we're not really feeling it we don't feel like really contributing to this service in that way or they're not someone that can be located at all true that's also very true you do see some of these weird companies that come up that buy ip and buy rights to things but don't actually do anything with it and they sit there more like patent trolls that oh someone used this this likeness of this one here i'm mm-hmm. gonna sue them for for that and that's all they are is they're just that's all they are is they're just trolls trying to make a quick buck based on the work of somebody else uh even with all that said though what i think i wanted to really take away from that part at least though was just kind of like looking at where things were value at like where things were valued at and i like your perspective especially on the sony side because you are right is that you know there are these key differences in the tiers but it feels like there's still not a good key understanding of some of the stuff you're going to get it feels like some things are changing every other day um Mm -hmm. and talking on the inverse of this though like looking at game pass though Game Pass itself was marketed as one of those services that was going to allow you to get day one titles 
almost every quarter, like from Microsoft and from their developers, which, which, you know, they've been buying up everybody. What's interesting though, is that they failed on that relatively quick and it's not necessarily their fault. Market conditions will always do things like that, but two of their, like really not even two, but one of their big titles that was supposed to come out this year, Starfield from Bethesda is now no longer coming out this year and will be coming out next year. Uh, the bigger problem that that poses is that throughout the entire span of 2022, we will not have a AAA first-party studio title from Microsoft going out on Xbox at all. Everything that we had with uh, Halo Infinite and uh, Forza late last year, you know, there's that, and there's, of course, still content here and there. But for a brand-new true AAA title, it's not coming out. And that's why a lot of people signed up to Game Pass was to get that value by being able to access a AAA title faster without having to pay 60 bucks for it. Um, it, I, I don't know if that's an entirely true statement. I mean, it, it, there aren't going to be the AAA titles that you expected, but Microsoft has a lot of studios that, that still are radio silent on, on projects that are in the works. True. We, we could have surprise titles announced at uh, Summer Games Fest that come out of the blue and, you know, could launch in October, November. And well, and we know, do there, have there's your quarter four titles. Yeah. And don't forget, we do have the Xbox Bethesda showcase in a couple weeks, too. So mm-hmm. y- you mm-hmm. are right on that one. But that's one of those big complaints out there. I'm, I'm more so you have to forgive me on that. I'm more so echoing what I'm seeing out there, like in the Twitterverse, in the in the the sphere of of discussion and and criticism and chaos really cuz I swear to god I'm so tired of all the Halo Infinite criticism right now that you know it's like okay sometimes it's a little bit of breath of fresh air to actually see new criticism out there about something else but this time it's turned to game pass value but a lot of it sure maybe not a lot of people are really like leaving in mass because Microsoft doesn't release the numbers for subscribers to game pass but I do believe, though, there are a lot of games on there that are good, but a lot of the allure of what people were going to play on Game Pass was going to be those AAA titles. And sometimes you run into that stagnation with the existing AAA titles that are on there. That that just happens. And they want something more, but the promise of what was going to be there isn't being delivered. And we're going a full year now without a fresh AAA title release in this platform that they said we were going to be getting. That, so that's another thing that bugs me. What what about one of my favorite games? It's getting um a true tried and true sequel that releases this year that I believe will be the AAA title that that could, you know, take the cake for the year and maybe even uh take the cake or you know, change precedent for survival first person horror shooters. And that what being game is Stalker that? Two? Stalker Two, yeah. So you're you're very like you're you're very much corrector on this one that that could change that dynamic as well. That we don't need it to be a first party title. It could very well be the third party titles that haven't been announced yet that do end up being Game Pass Day One exclusives, you know, or or do get released in tandem with the physical release on 
uh, on console and on other consoles and on PC, that it also gets the Game Pass treatment. You're right, it could change that. I'm just looking more at, at kind of like the, the first-party approach, though, to things and what Microsoft was was at least putting out there as sort of the value to their platform. Now, even with all that said, even with all that out there, the value that we get out of Game Pass anyway, though, I feel like is definitely still there. And I feel like there's still a lot of great titles on there, regardless if you're on PC, regardless if you're on your Xbox, regardless if you're on your phone. There's still a good amount of titles out there to entertain you, and there's always something different you can play. It's not just Halo. It's not just Forza. It's not just Gears. It's not Minecraft. It's not Sea of Thieves. It's all of those and more, things you wouldn't have expected to see on there. So, I, I'm again, mm-hmm. I'm echoing what I'm seeing out there. I probably am channeling some of that frustration because, again, the my Twitter feed just ends up getting filled up with a lot of this stuff just by pure chance, and it's just it's maddening sometimes. So... I, I'm echoing See, some it, of their concerns. I, I don't know. It, it it could get delayed um, because of everything that's going on um, over there. But I, I, I still have my hopes up, you know, uh, of that, that game coming out. But I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm really holding on to that one, you know. And I, I know you are. I know because I think the stalker devs are actually based out of Ukraine. And given the... They, they were originally, yeah. um, but they earlier this year... Um, they did move to the Czech Republic, so. Oh, that's right. Yes, they were able to get out of there, and yeah, they they did start back up. So that's right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So even with all that said, you know, we've got the two big contenders out there with with Sony and Microsoft, at least as it relates to tr- like core gaming companies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at least as we see them, who are fighting for everybody's money and attention when it comes to their memberships. And the values in those memberships in tandem with their streaming options as well. Um, what I would like to do next then, Kyle, is take a quick break. And when we get back from that break, let's talk about those non-gaming companies. The ones that you kind of like do the side I like. Are you really going to be offering something like this then to, you know, you're going to try to like one-up the other companies here? Yeah. I mean, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's take that quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about that. And we're back. All right, so where we left off, of course, before the break was uh, talking about, or at least starting to allude to, non-game companies who are now starting to enter the market for video game streaming and the memberships that happen to go along with those. And there's two of them that come to mind, at least right now, that I could name off that I'm sure everybody's already aware of. But of course, there's at least... One other out there that's kind of in that hybrid position where they they are a gaming company in the sense of what they produce, but they are really kind of, they do gaming stuff, but then they also do non-gaming stuff. You know, it, it's kind of that mixed bag. So, Kyle, for those first two, who are we talking about? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about uh, Stadia and uh, Luna. Okay. I am. Good job. I will I will get you a gold sticker and a certificate in the mail here sometime soon. Or I'll just run it to your but house. That, that third one, I'm I'm thinking you're alluding to uh Netflix. Uh no, but that's actually a good one to include. So no. <laughs> Did no, you forget? So, no, I, I 
I didn't necessarily forget about Netflix, but they're not really the one that comes to mind because the things no. they put out so far, or at least what they've tied into, it's just more like another storefront for Android games. That's it. Yeah, almost like, you know, they've reclaimed the titles that were launched on on other platforms like like uh like on Google Play and 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 said, "No, you can't have them. We we can only launch them on our platform, but you're going to host them for us, right?" That's basically it. Yeah. No, so the other company I'm referring to, I mean, you guys you brought up Netflix because we can talk about that one too, uh is actually Nvidia. Oh, yeah. With yeah. GeForce Now. With GeForce Now. Yeah. yeah, so I know you didn't mention it, but I'm going to mention it here anyway. So Stadia is a product of Google, and Luna is a product of Amazon. So Google and Amazon, of course, had no like, no influence or anything in the market for video games whatsoever, other than, of course, Google having their uh, cloud options, which allowed developers and publishers to host games in the cloud environment, and also and Amazon has- with... Jeff Bezos money. <laughs> Amazon has Jeff Bezos money with not only with AWS, with basically a competitor to Google Cloud, but also, of course, their their big storefront, the thing that Amazon is known for, which is selling us stuff. That That's really their big thing when it came to games. But both Google and Amazon, not necessarily at the same time, decided to enter the game streaming market where Google entered first with Stadia and promised a unique way to be able to play games by using something like a Chromecast Ultra and a controller that they made themselves to be able to play these games over the internet for a small fee. You would pay for the games and then you'd be able to play those on any device that you could potentially get your hands on, whether it was a Chromecast, uh, whether it was connecting the controller to your computer, whether it was using your Android device. It was there. There were there was this promise of being able to do a lot of that. And that stuff came out before, I believe it was about six to eight months before uh, Xbox released Project X Cloud in its alpha form. Does that sound right? Uh, might have been a little bit uh, before that, but... Because um... I thought it was definitely, because it was 2019 when Stadia came out, but I thought Project X Cloud didn't start until... it was in until... there for a while, too. Maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah. The last couple of years have muddied up so many dates. Yeah, it, so it's been crazy. It has been. So with Stadia, of course, I mean, it did have that big promise because they did. They bought up. Um, uh, God, what was the name of the studio that they bought up there? Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking on stuff now, Kyle? I'm trying to remember the I, name I, of the, I'm the blanking studio, it too, because you, you said the studio and then I remember. And, and I can't remember the gal's name, but she she's hopped around and then made her own studio. I want to say Obsidian. I think I think didn't they own Obsidian for a little bit? And uh, no, that wasn't Obsidian. Dang no, it! I gotta find it. it um, shoot. Uh, let's see here. Google Stadia. Yeah, I'm gonna look Game there. I'm gonna go into Wikipedia. Okay, so thank you for Wikipedia here. Um, they. Uh, let's see, Launch and Studio Expansion. They picked up, it was Typhoon Studios. Ah. Uh, I, I was like, there was something about, like, I don't know why that was stuck in my head, but that was just, man, that was it. Um, but yeah, they had picked up Typhoon Studios, who made Journey to the Savage Planet. And it was like, okay, cool. They did that, and they made all of this investment with AMD into their server farm to be able to put 
effectively the same hardware that that you're seeing in game consoles as you know starting with like the xbox one and playstation 4 you're seeing effectively Mm -hmm. that same type of setup going into servers that then would be used to handle the processing of the game and then take that video and stream it out to you you know fair enough i mean that's a tldr on game streaming folks and you know honestly stadia um out out of the the game streaming services that I've played, uh, Stadia was honestly the most stable and 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 smoothest. Yeah, and that's one of those things. I mean, like especially because it's funny to say this because everybody knows the disaster that was the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven launch. The only place that the game played near flawless was on Stadia. Out of every platform that it could have possibly played, like. Well, it ended up being that one. Yeah. So kind of ironic. Uh, no kidding. No kidding. So what we saw with Stadia, of course, was this promise of a new entrant into the market, especially for all of the the Google Android fanboys who, you know, had all their ecosystem put together. And re- really, that's what we are now anyways. We're just a collection of whatever our ecosystem is, especially for our tech. Now, mm-hmm. there was that promise of being able to do it and take it everywhere. But, of course, we see where things are at. Kyle, where is Stadia at today? What are they doing today now? Well, they they still are doing their free monthly games. But uh, as the, the game studio progressed, uh, within the first year, um, I, I believe it was in, within the first year, they actually closed their game studio, <laughs> like, entirely. Like, they they have no studios working under them. And they rely completely on third party. They still give out free monthly games, and they still pick up games to uh, put on the service. Uh, but they they no longer produce their own games, and any games that they had in the works were utterly canceled. Yeah, that really like they they really like threw the hammer down on everything being just shut down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in tandem with that, we also saw their software now becoming more of the, like, not necessarily just gaming. They branched out the software to be used for other things that weren't necessarily what we'd consider gaming. You know, it was oh, actually yeah. branched out to yeah, Peloton. Now, yeah, I was going to say that. I, I forgot about that. They now have the, uh, well, I, I forgot what the, it, it's like a game, but it's basically an automated ride, like an AI ride that you can you can play um a game on and it's it's hosted by Stadia and they're they're looking to further into the world of exercise um equipment and and virtualization uh with exercise equipment uh such as with the Peloton bikes but maybe even continuing on with like uh like tread climbers or um uh, uh treadmills and 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 other um equipment yeah and it does really feel like that's kind of a good way to maybe branch off the the software itself i mean you want to take all this stuff that you worked on and developed and and kind of spread that out to other core experiences that you can you know you can take advantage of and make maybe a buck off of and and you look at like the success of stuff on on like the the Wii with Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort and you know it it granted it was used a lot for physical activity in 
in um, homes for the elderly. Um, but even even going forward, there's plenty of adults that play like Ring Fit Adventure. Um, and and there, there's other exercise games. There's a lot of people that use even Beat Saber on on the Oculus just for physical activity. So the fact that, you know, they, they have leaned into this focus for more physical workout, it, it could be more profitable than, than actually streaming games um, as, a, as just games as a whole and then maybe just focus on streaming content that is exercise-related for specific equipment. That's a good point. No, that's that's a really good point, especially and I, you know, the idea of them branching out to to other, I guess, not necessarily competitors, but kind of. I mean, Meta with you know the the quest and that too with uh, what what was the Oculus Quest. Uh, that is definitely an interesting one to even really think about them branching out to. But the technology's there. The technology does have its value, and whatever they can do it you know, whatever they can do with it. Sure. That's going to be a good thing. But looking at the actual core gamer experience though, it's still suffering from this problem that a lot of people feel like it's still in beta where it doesn't feel like there's getting, there's enough regular updates coming out about things that are changing. It doesn't feel like there's um, enough content being played. It feels like there's uh, cross-platform issues still where it doesn't feel like you can actually like lobby up with the right people. I know a lot of that's been addressed, but there's still some situations where that just doesn't happen. But even so, it is something at least that kind of opened up everyone's eyes that said, well, maybe this isn't going to be the right way to go and there needs to be more work on it. So let's flip the page here now to another tech company with Amazon Luna. And mm-hmm. this one I'm kind of familiar with to a point. You know, I've read some things on it. Um, what do you know with Luna, though, Kyle? Um, not a whole lot. I know with Luna, um, you do have access to, I believe, a few free-to-play games uh, through the service if you're a Prime member. But it is a separate service um, completely. And and they do have, uh, I believe, a game a month or something that they give out for free, just like on on Stadia and on uh, PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live. Um, but as far as I it goes, I I don't know a lot. I do know that Microsoft does still have uh, games in development with their own studios for uh, specifically the Luna. But beyond that, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like here's how Luna is really structured, and and thanks to Android Authority, of course, for this list here. So Luna is built based on just exactly as you said, with those different subscriptions where you have the different ones you can get to kind of bring more things into your, I guess, gaming experience. So you have Mm -hmm. what's uh, called Luna Plus, which is the main, um, what they call channel. And it has, uh, it goes, I think, for $9.99 a month. It gets you um, 1080p, 60 frames per second, uh, streaming on two devices at the same time. Um, you've also got, uh, pr- if you are a Prime member, which a lot of people are, uh, you can access some Luna games for free without needing to pay for the other parts. So you get some of that included. You can get Ubisoft Plus as well, which is $18 a month, and that's pretty steep. But you get access to 
uh, Ubi, uh, Ubisoft's catalog, which includes games like the uh, uh, the Rainbow Six series. Uh, you've got uh, – actually, really, I could say the entire Tom Clancy series is one of the big ones. Um, you've also got the Assassin's Creed games, too, that are in there and, and more. Um, you've also got the Family Channel, which has more family-friendly games. Um, you've got the Retro Channel, which does focus on more of your older – titles like a couple of them that i can see here is like uh street fighter 2 metal slug 3 castlevania just to name a few and then there's also of course the jackbox games channel which is jackbox is all the different little funny party games you can play and that goes for five bucks a month while this looks like a worthwhile offer kyle Mm -hmm. you're talking about what is that 10 uh 28 uh, what is that? 28, 31, 36, 40 bucks a month. If you subscribe to every single thing here, and that's, that's not counting in the cost of your prime membership. Like let's say you pay the prime membership each month. That's like 50 bucks right there for yeah, every single thing for it. Like cable service. Yeah, it's it's yeah, you are subscribing to the things you want. And obviously, of course, it's going to cost It's the same way you sign up like on a streaming uh, television service like YouTube TV or sling, where you pay for HBO, uh, or you pay for um, uh, one of those other packages, you have to pay additional on top of your existing subscription. But that's pretty steep for access to all of that. Holy crap. Yeah. Would you pay that on top of all your other subscriptions? Heck no. Heck no. You know, honestly, I, I get the, the free games uh, that Prime offers each month. Um, and some of those are, are nice sometimes. A lot of times they're not really w- worthwhile. Um, they, they have their, you know, game bonuses that never seem to really affect games that would really be on uh, or specific to their service. Um, they they affect you know games across the board, including mobile games that would only be on mobile. Um, why why else would I would I really need to pay for a retro channel when, you know, I I, I already pay for, you know, Game Pass Ultimate, and I pay for you know all these other services. It seems silly at that point, you know. Yeah, it it feels like one of those things like, especially for us, where we have not even just the number of subscriptions, but the number of ways to play games right now. Does it make sense to invest in something like this unless you don't really have any other way to play games and you are invested into Amazon's ecosystem? Well, and I I think it's funny that they have a a channel specific to Jackbox Party. If you're signed up to, to, if you have a computer and you're signed up to Epic Game Store and have two-factor authentication on, chances are twice a year you've had the chance to get the latest Jackbox game. That's very true, too. And that's just an additional step that someone needs to take to be able to do it. Plus, the Jackbox games don't even eat up a lot of resources to play on something like an no. older laptop either. They they aren't interactive in the sense as a, um, a regular video game would be. They are party-based, so there are some animations, but nothing that's true like in depth like gonna burn out your processor type animations and it's it's simple enough that um it can be hosted even on like an xbox 360 
and people, you know, halfway across the world can play on a cell phone. That's a big one, especially is is like data center penetration too. To be able to play like that as well is yeah. yeah is is uh, can you make it all the way across the world with doing something like that? Because that ties in even into the larger scheme of like these cloud uh, these cloud streaming options anyway. Because you now have the ability to take that with you where you go. Because a lot of these companies, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Sony, have data centers all over the world. And so you're mm-hmm. going to be able to get that stuff going. And yeah, as it ties into a party game, you're going to be able to play that with people around the world, um, especially for right. those who have family that are overseas. That is something that you could end up doing together. So you are right. That is at least something out there. Uh, even with that, though, but even with like the cost being up to where it's at, do you see yourself paying that much given everything else you're already taking in right now? Oh, definitely not. What would- I, I don't feel like as an offering, why should you pay extra expense just to have your your offering of games be separated out? You know, I on on other services, on every other service, granted it might be a smaller selection or you know, it might be, you know a a faster rotating selection, but I'm not having to pay, you know, multiple costs to get access to different types of games. You know, I if I want to play shooters one day and I want to play a retro game another day, I don't have to pay $20. I get to pay one membership fee on other on other consoles or yeah. other services, I should say. And that's the same boat that I'm into is that there's no real unique value to it for me who already has that set up. I and I still find one of those interesting scenarios, though, is where you would see some of that at. And I don't even know if Amazon's released numbers on Luna users. I don't know if any of that's out there in any of their marketing or not marketing, but any of their um, financial materials to say we've had X amount of people sign up for this. Right. So, and, you sure. know, I I don't know many people that that say I only play racing games and retro games and that's it that's it you know so you i i can direct them to amazon luna and tell them to sign up for just those two channels and that's the only selection of games they will be offered you know type thing it it seems bizarre i don't know anyone like that or you know someone that says you know i only play jackbox party games that's the only time i ever play games i mean maybe there is that one person but those five people aren't going to sustain that membership. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Uh, but Amazon, of course, is a larger company. They can burn through the money. And, you know, if if that ends up being one of those things that they have to discontinue and move on, so be it. Well, um, and, you know, it, it, they wouldn't be the only company that's discontinued services like that. I mean, Google nope. is um, notorious for starting services uh, like Google Plus, just as an example um trying to compete with Facebook and, and you know they just they canned it out of nowhere. I they they have enough money. It doesn't really affect them to do something like that. True. Very true. Uh what about with something like GeForce now then from NVIDIA? So we know NVIDIA of course for us in the PC space anyway for their graphics cards. You know, mm. and all the chaos that goes into even trying to secure one of those graphics cards, at least up until about a month, month and a half ago. 
Um, they have been providing a cloud gaming service for some time now uh, through their old NVIDIA Shield platform. Um, and according to Wikipedia, and this name kind of brings it back to me as well, it's called NVIDIA Grid. Um, it got renamed to GeForce Now back in 2017 and became... Um, uh, or no, excuse me, it was NVIDIA Grid, was a beta in 2013, and then was unveiled uh, with GeForce Now as its name on September 30th, 2015. Sorry. Anyway, um, the system itself for GeForce Now relies primarily on you already owning these games and you needing a way effectively to be able to stream those games or at least access them wherever you are without having to install them on your machine, your device, whatever it is that you have. You're basically linking your Steam account, your Origin account, your Battle.net account, whatever it is that they support, you're linking those up and letting the service see what games you have and then allowing you to access those for a fee for streaming wherever you want. Pretty simple, at least on that one. It's kind of like Steam Link, but Steam Link Plus, because everybody's calling their services something plus now. But haven't there been publishers that have pulled out of the uh, service or disallowed their games to be on the service? So that's actually a funny thing you bring up here. And so what happened is when NVIDIA actually did the changeover from their beta release to their full general release, basically just 1.0, what had happened is, is that they still had those same games uh, that were available in the beta available in the general release. However, the contracts that they had with the companies like Activision Blizzard, 2K, were not um, were not set up for that type of condition. They were not set up to say that these were going to be used in a full service capacity. So when all those games came like came down because of the publishers pulling out because of those, that means that even if you were signed into your battle.net account, all those titles you had from Activision Blizzard could not be played through GeForce Now. And it was the same for 2K games. It was the same for Bethesda as well. Hmm. And does that still stand today? As far as I'm aware, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% certain on where things sit, uh, like at least developer-wise, like what they have. But, um, you know, I, I think they've come back now that the conditions have changed. I'm not. I'm just really not 100% certain where it sits. But I remember that being a big thing that they that it was basically a breach of contract from going beta to GA. So with that part of it, though, GeForce now on its subscription part, I believe has two different tiers. One of them lets you play at I believe it's between 1080 and 720, and then they have another tier that allows you to do 4K at 60 FPS. And um, uh, let's see here. I believe it's also, yeah, 1440p at 120 FPS. Um, but of course, each thing there is going to require uh, different costs to be able to get to it, those different tiers for it. And I'm actually trying to get those costs up here now. Let's see here. Uh, so they have uh, a free tier, which allows you to have a one hour long session and I don't know if that's a session per day or what, but standard access, uh, they have a priority one for $9.99 a month that gets you uh, one with RTX, priority access to premium service, six-hour uh, session length, and up to 1080p at 60. 
FPS. And then there's also the RTX 3080, which is the $20 a month, gets you access to an RTX 3080 machine, uh, eight-hour session length, up to 4K resolution, and up to 120 FPS. So you're talking 20 bucks a month to be able to potentially access games at four, uh, 4K 60 FPS or 1440p 120 FPS for 20 bucks a month. Your existing game library to access it for 20 bucks a month. And you could do that on PC. You could do that on iOS. You could do that on Android. You can do that on Chromebook. You can access it effectively wherever. But here's where the interesting question comes in, Kyle. Mm-hmm. This is similar to the argument that we were kind of getting into in the first half talking about Microsoft with Xbox Live and that a lot of free-to-play titles were still blocked behind the need to pay for Xbox Live to be able to actually connect online and play those games with other people. This right. service, on the other hand, is saying, give us access to your library, show us what games you have in those licenses, and we'll let you play if you pay us this much. And not every single one of the games that you have available, probably in like, say, your Steam library, for example, is going to work on here because, or, or at least, you know, is not going to output in 4K, you know, at least at the best quality that it could, because it's not built into the game. Am I right? Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're totally so, right. So with that said, though, what do you think about that? Would you want to pay somebody, pay a company, you know, for the best performance possible, 20 bucks a month? to access your own games wherever you're at. Um, you know, I, I think that that gets tough. Um, if you put yourself in a scenario where you just recently lost, like your, your only gaming computer or, or your, your only gaming system. Um, I, I, I feel like, at that point, if you had access to like a tablet or a phone that could run the uh, connection strong enough, um, I definitely would. That'd be a no-brainer just to be able to access my Steam games uh, while I was saving up money to to purchase another PC. And there we go. That is by far the best I've heard now so far about at least a justification for this is is really the the gamer who has only the one thing to play on and it blows up effectively. That's that's definitely a fair thing to look at. Otherwise, if if you had a laptop, you just defeated the entire argument. <laughs> that's that's a very good that's a very good point, you know, especially. Um the other thing I see at least on the value with this though is that like let's say um one of my kids is almost is, you know, they got another year or so before they go off to college. And there could be one mm-hmm. of those situations that when that rules and that in college could change where you're not allowed to bring something like a gaming PC with you, you know, or at least a full tower, but you could take a laptop or yeah. something with you, but they've got power all these constraints. Exactly. There's power constraints potentially in the dorm. There's, um, there's the, um, just the size and bulk of moving it around. There's the worry about things being stolen now for that fee of you know 10 to 20 dollars a month you can now they can now access their titles from wherever they are and be able to play those without having to worry about the risk of something happening to their computer you know while they're away you know like while they're in college while it's in the dorm room you know 
whether anything can happen. Granted, they're not going to have right. the same experience as they would by playing it one for one, but that also at least nets a lot of possibility too. Yeah, but then they they also don't have to worry about their roommate potentially stealing their 3080 out of their computer and trying to hawk it, you know, on Facebook. There's that, and then also, of course, you know, starting a fire in your dorm because you decided to crypto mine with your 3080 when you were in class. Also true. <laughs> yeah. I guess I see maybe the only downfall to that, though, is that I've seen it, especially with like our local colleges here, is that sometimes the internet connection is not the best, too. So oh, yeah. maybe sometimes you could run into some situations there. But anyway, that's getting, I think, a little granular anyway. But what you provided as an example, and I think what I provided is kind of the the justification for that case to be able to allow some of that is that you don't have to rebuy the games. You don't have to pay for a different service of any type, though, like, you know, to access a, another library of games. You are uh, basically just paying a middleman to be able to give you access to your titles. That's it. You know, at least in a way that doesn't require you to take your computer with you wherever you go. Right. So so it's an interesting one, at least, to think about that compared to what Stadia and Luna are doing, that GeForce Now might actually offer maybe some additional benefit. But, of course, we've got to at least consider not everything on GeForce Now is going to be the same as what's in your library, too. There are a lot of games that are in here that you might have in your library, but it's not going to have everything. So there might be something you want to play, and it's just not there. So you're kind of stuck right. too. But of course, Steam is coming out with a new uh, cloud gaming service, at least here at some point too. And of course, with the Steam Deck having just been launched, maybe we'll see some more effort for Steam as it relates to what they developed with Steam Link, and that gets pushed further. But that's, I don't think there's really much out there to talk about with at least what Steam is offering. Yeah, I mean... Steam is always kind of, in a sense, I mean, they, they they tend to arrive a little late, but they ar- arrive late with, with the newest bleeding edge. So I it'll be exciting to see what they offer for streaming and what, what you know, their streaming service is capable of, um, if they can, you know, push, you know, enough frames that you, you could potentially stream fast-paced online games and not have to worry about latency or you know if if you'd be stuck with playing slower games you know turn-based or you know something that just wouldn't be as resource heavy and and toned down so i i don't know with, with steam but that that's one of those things it's a wait and see i guess because, like I said, it, it's it always seems to be bleeding edge with them. They arrive late, but with bleeding edge stuff. So yeah, and I mean they've made efforts at least like with remote play together is a good example. You know of of kind yeah. of one thing. Again, Steam Link is still something that's being worked on. Plus, a lot of their stuff, and I'm just reading on it here too, is that like Steam Cloud Play is what it's called. It's in beta, and that's what they're using basically as their jumping service for developers to be able to put their games onto existing. Uh, cloud gaming services and their first one they picked is none other than GeForce Now. So that's who they're working with at least to start to branch out that way and I'm sure they'll probably come out with their own here at some point but 
What I want to ask about, though, especially, and we can make it a quick one there before we do any sort of wrap up, is the other entrant into this market, Netflix, and whatever it is that they're really trying to accomplish with their game service, because it it's like they're trying to offer game streaming, but they're not really putting out any ideas of what they're going to do, except for Android games is all we've seen so far. Yeah, and I I don't see it as going further than being just that. I, I, I see a lot of these indie mobile Android t- titles that you would you would see as just basically cell phone games. A lot of games that are gonna be tied in or maybe not even necessarily tied in, but a lot of games that you can play while you're watching shows on Netflix or that are tied to shows on Netflix, such as the Stranger Things game. Um, and, and that's what you're going to see from from Netflix's streaming studio. I, I don't think it'll be anything special. I don't think it'll generate revenue or as much hype. Um, I don't think so either. Yeah, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be just that thing that, oh, I can open this up on the side and play, you know, Brick Breaker while I'm... Uh, well, I'm watching, you know, whatever newest Netflix show. Cool. It's like those weird games that are offered, like on the Roku, for example. It's like, I didn't get my Roku to play games with, you know. I got it to stream stuff because I right. didn't have another way to do it. But it's like, I have Battleship here for some reason. And it's like, and Pac-Man. It's like, okay, well, I guess that's all, is all I'm going to be able to do with the arrow keys on this contr- on this uh, remote like, control. I've got so, terrible Tetris. It's yeah, exactly. Because it, it, the, the fastest mode is like <laughs> one speed on regular Tetris. Exactly. No, exactly. It's like, it, it's whatever Netflix is planning on. I mean, they, they, good luck to them, I suppose, in trying to do it. But I, I I don't know. I'm not really sure what to expect. Yeah, I I have low expectations and all I've seen so far. I've I've tried the service on that and uh it literally re- uh reroutes you to Google Play to download the app and then reopen it through the Netflix app. So it's like they're they're hosting it through Google Play anyway. You're just downloading a Google Play game. You you can open it through the Netflix app. It's literally just uh, here's your side entertainment because our entertainment is not good enough for you. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the big part of it. I think is that I don't know exactly what type of value they're expecting to bring, but hey, that's coming down the line. Still, we'll see what they come up with. Uh, yeah. In the wrap up part here, though, Kyle. Now that we've talked about all of these different streaming options, the successes, the failures, the the mix-ups, the the muddiness of of some of these offerings, what we could see as potential future offerings, what what's coming down the pipeline, you know, as ways to access this content as we go on. What do you expect to see? Like, let, let's do a short term. Like, let's say, what do you expect to see in the next five years? I say that leads us really kind of up to the, like, getting around the time we hear about maybe the next console generation. Um, You know, what do you expect to see when it comes to game streaming in the next five years? And it, it could be good or bad. What do you expect? Um, You know, 
maybe it's a little ambitious for five years, but I I I see game streaming. It it could potentially be going the way of trying to attempt to take over a, a new console generation in a way, uh, just in the sense that you know we we have the devices in hand and at hand all the time um even if it if it's something that's required us to go buy something that that's a little bit less expensive than you know a console or whatnot in the future i i see us making advancements with the memberships giving us more access to a larger number of titles at at a at a lower cost or you know if if they if they do increase the cost increasing the the benefit more so i i look at you know some of the stuff that xbox has done and you know i i i see room for expansion especially when you see the the type of game offerings that sony's been making for their monthly free games in comparison to xbox but then you also look at xbox's extra free offerings in comparison to playstation or uh amazon's free offerings in comparison to both companies and i think we we need to find a happy medium on all of those for for the next step of each of the uh streaming services to become more successful they they need to to find a good medium of where where they can stream games at a high level with without or with with a with a better lower latency and and offer better content um to be more successful okay i think from my side i see a couple different things happening with so much emphasis on on you know putting things up in the cloud I actually see a direct option being offered for a game streaming stick or a non-console type device being something that's available day one with the next console generation. We've got Microsoft's Project Keystone happening right now, which is the streaming stick slash puck slash whatever it's going to be that will allow you to play those games with hopefully little to no issue. Whoa, you said five years. (laughs) I know, that's what I'm saying, over five years. No, I'm saying that's coming up. But what I'm talking about, though, is that in five years, instead of it just being something that's released like mid-cycle, you're going to see something that's dedicated right there out the gate day one. Because obviously changes in hardware are going to allow for newer things to occur. So obviously whatever Keystone's going to be, it's not something you're going to be able to pop open and throw in new stuff. And it's like, oh, now I've got the latest and greatest thing. It's just like it is with our consoles. You know, my Xbox One is definitely inferior to my series x but i can't just first generation parallel of of what's to come bingo just like we had the options with the launch of the xbox uh series line and the playstation 5 line that we had a disc edition and a digital edition we are going to be having a disc edition a digital edition and a streaming edition and they're obviously going to be vastly different but at the same time there's going to be a lower entry point, though, in regards to cost to get into someone's home with that streaming device instead of with a full-fledged console. And that's where I'm going to see a lot of that happening is that we're going to see 
that being pushed right there at the beginning. Now, in tandem with that, though, because of how much money Microsoft has already spent on on the incentives to get developers to put their games on Game Pass, because 60 bucks for a one-time purchase versus $15 a month for Game Pass Ultimate, you know, and, and you split that all the different ways you do, one of the big things is that that price isn't going to stay consistent. And we're going to start to see that price go up at some point, probably in the next year or two. I'm almost thinking we're going to see that price hit probably somewhere around the 1999 mark for Game Pass Ultimate here soon, because those costs are going to have to recoup somewhere. As you want to bring in more, that slice of $15 per user is going to start getting to be smaller and smaller slices per dev, per studio, per game, per whatever. That's going to start changing. So we're going to start to see this increase in price. But I'm hoping in tandem with that, though, like you had said, that the the value proposition is going to just continue to get better, that more of those perks, more of those bonuses, more of those added features that necessarily aren't gaming are going to be rolled into there. So it makes your subscription worthwhile. It makes it more worthwhile than just accessing games and being able to stream those games. But it's also going to evolve to include those additional bonuses that you would actually see yourself use. Like I took advantage of one of the more recent Game Pass um, perks for Nitro uh, for Discord, you know, the the trial for I think like three months. That was cool. I liked having that. I did not subscribe to Nitro after the fact, but it was a perk I was able to use and enjoy for a little bit. That's what I see more involvement with is just more of those perks, more of those added bonuses, though, for being able to be on it. And with what Sony's doing, they've really got to revamp. I think they're going to have actually another revamp on their whole offering. And we're going to see probably not as much emphasis on streaming. I think they're really going to keep streaming the way it's been. And they're going to still put more emphasis into the release of games on PC. I I don't think they're going to really evolve as much on Mm -hmm. that. I think Stadia is going to go away. And the technology is going to divest into some other sort of Google Skunk Works or some sort of other Google offering. Uh, Luna will potentially end up rolling into something else. I I see that as being another one of those things that, you know, Amazon's trying to copy everyone else. So it could be another one of those things that's offered as a, you know, tie Amazon Alexa into your your device here and you got Luna stuff you can also do with it too now. Or use this Luna functionality to offer this to your customers instead. You know, some Mm -hmm. other sort of bundled thing. Yeah, I I see... I see Luna hanging out uh, for a while, but I think I see it going down to maybe a, a, a lower quality, maybe not even necessarily lower quality, but um, lower spec'd out game. So it, it could be potentially streamed out to like your your Alexa or your, your Echo shows. Uh, so maybe you can play something like Angry Birds or Breakout on your uh, Alexa show, and that that maybe that's where Luna needs to be. But Amazon can continue offering those other free games because a lot of those aren't even hosted through Amazon. You you either download them from Good Old Games or Ubisoft or you know so on and so forth. So. I mean, there's a lot of potential elsewhere for for Amazon, and I think uh, Luna 
it it's time for Luna to to take a nap and and maybe sleep on it and, and rethink their 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 plan. <laughs> yeah, especially with those costs because fifty dollars a month is just no thank you. Yeah, yeah, but. I think that was a good wrap up there. And, and this has definitely been one of our longer episodes for a while now, too, is, you know, we're talking, of course, about uh, paid memberships and game streaming because a lot of it goes hand in hand anymore now. And where we're spending our money on our games. So we want you to know where you should spend your money, too. <laughs> yeah. And where you should be spending that money is on us. So send us some of that money and you can send that to P.O. Box one three three seven. In yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> in the in 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 anchor anchor space, you know, wherever. Anyway, so regardless of that, I don't know where the hell I was going with that one. But that is it for this week's NPCs discuss talking about paid memberships and game streaming because yes, they do go hand in hand, and we're going to see more of that going into the future. But of course, with that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. Don't forget to check us out on your favorite pod, uh, favorite podcast platform of choice. I was speaking too fast and mixing up all my words there, Kyle. Uh, check us out on uh, your favorite podcast platform of choice, such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart. We're all over the place. But if you want to find out where we are exactly hosted at or you want to check us out directly, you can go to our homepage and go get the links there. That's anchor.fm slash d-npcs-podcast. You can also get our links to social media and YouTube as well there too. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. We will catch you all next week. Laters. Laters.